0: Hey, if you have your Bibles this morning, open up to uh, the Gospel of John. That's the fourth book in the New Testament, the Gospel of John. John uh, chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 1 this morning. John chapter 17, verse 1. Now before we read, uh, when we come to the Bible, we come to the Bible with a lot of assumptions and we come to the Bible with a lot of expectations as well of what we're going to find there and then what we're going to get out of the thing that we interact with when we read words on the page. Um, when we crack open a Bible, most of the time, we come searching for something, right? Um, an answer, some kind of knowledge or wisdom, um, a bit of an encouragement or, or a reminder. I mean, how many of us, and I bet some of us have even done this this week, um, we feel like we're down on our luck, down on our time. Something bad happened in our lives, and we're like, man, I wish there was that verse that could just speak to me right now. And so we Google it. Hey, uh, Bible verses that have encouragement in them. Have you ever done this before? You probably have. And you find those Bible verses, and you go there, and you get that encouragement that you're looking for. Or, or perhaps there's that moment where there's a person in your life They did something great. They accomplished something. They graduated from high school or college or they got that thing or they did that thing. Whatever it is, they achieved that thing. And you're like, I just want a verse to give them to like, to just enjoy it with them. And there's gotta be something in the Bible. So you go to Google and you Google, you know, like um, Bible verses for grads. Anyone ever done this before? Be honest. Maybe I'm the only one in the room. I know that I have. Uh, Lots of times. In fact, some of us, That may be our only interaction with the Bible in a week, or weeks, or months on end. We read verses that Google feeds us. Are you encouraged yet? (laughs) No. But we often come to the Bible with the assumption that we're going to discover some kind of truth, or learning, or reminder, or encouragement. And we do this particularly with the story of Jesus. When we come to meet Jesus in the scriptures, we expect that we're going to find something. Jesus is going to teach us something through, through a parable or through a miracle or through a conversation or something like that. And folks, that's exactly what the Bible is there for in so many different ways. It's so imperative that we turn to this book for truth, for understanding, for wisdom, for all those things. But then we get to John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, we get something different. We we don't get all of those things. There's no teaching in John chapter 17. There's no storytelling. There's no miracles. There's no reminders. There's none of that stuff in there. Here, in John chapter 17, we get a prayer. A prayer. In fact, this prayer in John chapter 17, if you're looking at it in your Bibles right now, this prayer— it's one of the longest moments in the scriptures where Jesus continuously speaks in this prayer. Um, I looked at how many words that is. It's about 650 words. The average person speaks like 100 words a minute when they're talking out loud. That means Jesus prayed constantly for like six and a half straight minutes. It's interesting. If you're trying to figure out like, how do I pray? How long do I pray? What do I do? Six and a half minutes might be a great starting point for you. Now, what I want us to do this morning is in this six and a half minute prayer, we're just going to read the first chunk of it. I want you to look closely and I don't want you to go like, I need to learn something. I need to get encouraged by something. Don't go in with those expectations. Go in blind and just listen to how Jesus prays and soak it in this morning. So our scripture reading this morning, again is John chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 1, verses 1 through 5. Uh, Tim Wood is our scripture reader this morning. Tim, you can head on up when you are ready. And church, what we do here, if you're able to, is we stand and we face the center of the uh, room as the word is read, where it is read. And the reason we do this is because this book should be central to our lives. It's a reminder each week of doing that. So Tim, when you're ready, go ahead and read the passage for us. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is the eternal life that, you, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory you had with you before the world began. Thank you, Tim. You all may take a seat. Just go ahead and keep that passage open. We're going to be in there this morning a lot. So So when I was in high school, um, I was not a big fan of school at all. I didn't enjoy it. Um, And there was a reason for that. Um, When I was in ninth grade... I remember I was sitting in my high school, ninth grade, by the way, ninth grade, somebody yelled at me at first service about that. In ninth grade, I was in a social studies class, um, you know, participating in class, and then our principal came running into the room as quickly as he can. He was frantic on his face, and he said, you need to turn on the TV. And so my teacher goes and turns on the TV, and there before us, a plane flies into one of the World Trade Center buildings. You remember this moment? I don't know if you knew this, but this week is the week where we remember that again. It's been 19 years, folks. It's kind of crazy to think about. I remember I was sitting in that classroom, and I was watching planes go into buildings and crash on the ground, and you probably remember um, exactly where you were if you were old enough. Oh, I remember I was right there. I was in that moment when that thing happened. And in a little under... um, So the morning of September 11th, it turned into an incredibly important moment, not just for our nation, but it turned into an incredible moment for me, an important moment for me, because as I was watching the screen, as there was images of plane debris and crumbled buildings, like all that searing into my memory, um, that morning, the, I felt like I experienced a bit of calling in that morning, in ninth grade, as I watched in social studies class. Because as I watched all the incidents on 9-11 unfold. I knew that I wanted to do something about it. Like I wanted to join the military. That day I decided I was gonna do that and I went off later after school and I did that. I joined the military. So as I worked my way through high school, with the idea like I'm going to join the military, Um, it really made my studies suffer because I stopped caring about school in all the worst ways. My goal was not to learn anything. My goal was to finish school so I could join the military. And that's really what I did in all the worst ways, I think. Um, My poor attitude toward school meant that whenever I went to take a test in school, I was really not interested in learning the information and absorbing the information. I was interested in knowing the right answers so that I could pass the test. I was so good at it that I could pass tests and know virtually nothing about the content that I just took the test on. Um, If you went to college, there was that class that you took along the way, and you took that class that you didn't want to take, and you wanted to get to the next class, and so you just did what you could to get through the class. You know what I'm talking about. You, You don't actually learn something. You just pass the class. You get the grade. That's what I did in high school. Now, kids. There's a bunch of kids in the room this morning. That's a terrible way to do school. Like, don't do that. Learn all of it. Absorb it all. It will be good for you later. Now, this attitude of getting the grade over actually learning something is an attitude that so often we bring toward our faith. Like, so often we do. You know, many of us in this room, we could articulate the basics of salvation, right? Like, we could lay that out for us. It's um, something like, All of us have fallen into sin. Like, that's step one, right? We're all sinful beings. There's nothing that we personally can do about it. Sin is there. It's infected us. It is what it is. And then the second thing is, Jesus came to die to pay the debt for our sins, right? So Jesus came in and saw us in our sinful condition, and then Jesus decided to do something. And so he went to a cross for us to pay the debt for our sins so we could be free from that sin, And step three would be, if we believe in Jesus and what Jesus has done, then we are forgiven of our sins, and then we get to go to heaven, and we get to enjoy heaven for an eternity afterward, right? Like, if we were to sum up the salvation story in the most minimal, small way possible, that basically be what the basics are, right? Um, Some of us, when we were kids, we memorized scripture passages um, that really sum all of that up, right? Like Romans 3.23 for me comes to mind. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, right? Like that is the salvation story in a nutshell. And and, and folks, it's all true. Like all of it is true. And it's fundamentally important for us to grapple with that truth in our lives. Like, you are a sinner. It's deep inside of you. You can't just pull it out of you and then you're good now. That's not how it works. You need Jesus. We have to grapple with that truth. But you see, even as we grapple with a truth like that, we can believe that that's true. We can know the story of salvation. We can know all those things. We can know the story of salvation and know virtually nothing else about our faith at the exact same time. I mean, think about it. You can know the truth of salvation and you can never touch a Bible really, day in and day out. Some of us are like a testament to that, right? Day in and day out, we can never touch a Bible at all. Or turn to prayer. We can just not pray. At all but we know like we've got the salvation story down we believe those things so we're good we can know the salvation story and we can never come to worship right it cannot affect anything else in our lives that way and you see in our scripture reading this morning where jesus prays to his father one last time before he heads off to fulfill that salvation story jesus what he does is he pulls back the curtain and he lets us in like hey This is the point of all this salvation stuff. There's a bigger thing going on here. There's something more that we're after than purely getting saved, per se. Like God has way more for our faith in our lives than the bare basics of the atonement. Like there's more going on here. If you have your Bible, open up to John chapter 17 again a second. And I wanna start in verse two and just take a look at verse two and three with you here a second. Let me read it for you. Just listen to this. This is Jesus praying. He says, For you, for you, Father God, for you, granted him, Jesus, authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Eternal life. You can read eternal life as in like heaven. You can read eternal life as salvation. You can interchange lots of words there like that that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Eternal life, salvation, heaven. And now this is eternal life, the passage says. And listen to this. This is eternal life. That they know you. That they know you. That they know you, the only true God. And that they know you, Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. That they know you. You see, salvation or heaven or eternal life, that's not the end goal here. You see? It's not the primary thing we're going after here. Salvation and heaven and eternal life is the doorway into what God's real intention is for us in our lives. And Jesus says, you want to know the whole point of all this stuff? You want to know the whole point of what I'm about to do by going to a cross, do you? Do you want to know? Well, it's verse three, that they know you. That they know you, the only true God, and that they know Jesus whom you have sent to. You know, the word know is important for us to really understand that they know you, the passage says. You see, there's a difference between knowing about what Jesus did for our salvation right? And actually knowing Jesus. Like those are two separate things. Knowing versus knowing in some sense. We know the difference actually between those two kinds of knowing. You know, if you're married this morning, you know the difference between knowing something and then like really knowing something, right? Like I do a ton of premarital counseling here at the church one of my favorite parts of my job. And every time I get this young couple with like gleams in their eyes as they walk into my office and they sit down and they're excited to do some premarital counseling with me, or they're pretending to be most likely, but they're about to get married and they got that shimmer in their eyes and they look at their spouse with such, or their future spouse with such affection and love. And this person that I found is the cream of the crop, right? They are perfect. Like, oh, it's like there's no chinks in the armor. This is a perfect person for me and I'm the perfect person for them. That's how they always walk in. And I always ask a question. And the question is, do you think there'll ever be a moment where you question your love for your spouse. And these almost newlyweds always look at me like, oh my goodness, how dare you say something like that? I would never question love for my, my future spouse. I can't wait to be married to them. It's just going to be beautiful. And then those of us who have been married for a while, I think we know reality, right? Like there's that moment where you you think you know your spouse when you first get married and then you get to know more about them and more about them and more about them. And you get to see their mess of a life and you get to see their brokenness and you get to see their struggles and you get to see that moment where you tell them, put the toilet seat down after using the toilet and he just won't do it, right? You know what I'm talking about? And then you're like, ah, do I love him? I don't know. Do I love her? I'm not sure right now if if I do. See, there's the knowing of our future spouse, the shiny-eyed knowing. Oh, yeah, I know them. They're great. And then there's that seasoned marriage. We've walked this path a while kind of knowing, right? Where you really know that person. You know their struggles. You know, their strengths. You know the whole thing. And for the record, Knowing all the bad stuff and the good stuff is way better than the gleamy, shiny, newlywed knowing, right? See, in Jesus' prayer to his father, he says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus is talking about that second kind of knowing in our passage this morning, the seasoned marriage kind of knowing. You see, like when a lot of us, we come to faith for the first time, we've got that glimmer in our eye, like we know God now because we know the story of salvation. And so we go and we study our Bibles and we should study our Bibles and we go to church every week and we should go to church every week and we go and we study the life of Jesus in a Middle Eastern context in the ancient world and what did the historical Jesus look like and we should do all of those things, but we can do all of those things and we still may not know him. See? still may not know him. You know, it's an important question for each of us to consider. Do you know our Father in heaven? Or do you really know him? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Do you know about him? Or do you, do you, do you really know him? Do you? You know, Jesus actually mentions this knowing elsewhere in the scriptures as well. If you have your Bible, take a second and open up to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. A second. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 is uh, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually one of the longest times where Jesus teaches in the Bible. It's, it's near the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 7, starting in verse 21. Just listen closely here. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Lord, Lord, did we not do all the things that you said we're supposed to do? Did we not follow all the rules well? Were we not religious enough, Lord? We did all the things you wanted us to do. And what does Jesus say at the end of this? Listen to this. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. I never knew knew you away from me you evildoers jesus says do you know him or or do you really do you really know our lord you know maybe you're here this morning and you're like man like i don't know like i don't know if i know him Like, I have the biblical answers. I've got the checklist done in my head. Like, I've got the theology of the atonement down. I do have faith in that. Like, I believe that Jesus did what he said he did, but I don't know if I, like, actually know him, per se. See, if you want to know him, like, really know him, well, it's honestly pretty simple, folks. It's all about time spent with him. It's so similar to a marriage. You you know your spouse, but then as the years pass, oh, you really know your spouse, right? The longer you're with a person, the more you get to truly know them, right? That's, That's how it works. Our relationship with God is, folks, it's not any different than that. It's all about time spent with our God. So if you really want to know him, you want to be in that category, you really want to know him, then go spend time with him. It's really basic. Go spend time with him. And maybe you're like, okay, but like, how much time am I supposed to, sp- like how long should I pray and read the Bible? Like, like is there rules around this? Um, well, follow Jesus' example in this prayer that we're reading this morning. Six and a half minutes. That's it. Six and a half minutes. I mean, imagine If you prayed to God, you spent time with the Lord for six and a half minutes every single day after a year, imagine how much more you might know the Lord at that point. Imagine that. You know, a while back, I was at a retreat. Um, and the speaker was talking about the different levels of friendship, and I loved it. I thought it was just great stuff. And the speaker said there were like five different levels of friendship. He said there's that initial meeting of a friendship, and he called it the, the facts level of, of a friendship. Um, and that in, in level one, the facts shared. It's like, hey, I'm going to share the things about myself. I'm supposed to share like my name, what I do for a living, all of that fun stuff. It's about sharing the facts. And then there's this second level of a friendship that begins to form, and it, it's called the cliches cliche level of friendship. I would argue most of us at church, when we show up and we see each other, we're at the cliche level, right? We walk in, we may know some names, and then we say, hey, uh, the weather's pretty nice today, isn't it? Right? Like, that's a cliche. That doesn't mean anything. And then there's this third level of friendship. He called it opinion. Uh, Opinion is where you're close enough to another person where you feel vulnerable enough that you can start sharing your opinions about things. Maybe you will share with this other person, dun, 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 politics. And then the friendship ends, like immediately after that. I think that's how it works. But then, like, if you make it through that one, there's this fourth level. And and this fourth level and this fifth level, things get way more intense in the fourth and fifth level. The fourth is what he called emotions, emotions. where where you feel free to share your emotions, where where grieving is openly shared with another person, where where when you feel deep joy, you feel comfortable sharing that joy with the other person, right? And then there's the last one, the fifth level. And he called it unedited sharing. Unedited sharing. It's that level of friendship where everything comes together out, where you don't have to mince words. You don't have to be strategic about how you say the things that you say. It's that place where you can be fully yourself, fully present to the other person, and they can do the same in response, right? It's what a real, deep, true relationship looks like. And you see, when Jesus prays that we know God and we know the one whom he sent, Jesus, he was talking about those two last levels of friendship, Where we can pour our hearts out to the Lord. Like, God, this is where I'm at today. Like, this is me. Best, worst case, feeling, all of it. God, here I am. Where we can show up and be ourselves completely before the Lord. That level of relationship, folks, God longs for that out of you. God longs to be in that kind of relationship with you. You see, if you want that kind of relationship with God, it's not rocket science. It starts with six and a half minutes every day. Six and a half minutes every day. Just like Jesus did before he headed off to the cross. Six and a half minutes. Pray to the Lord. Maybe you haven't in a while. Spend time with him in the word. Just listen for God's voice. Get to know him. Assume he's there. When you have hurt, and pains and fears and brokenness. Like, bring all of that to the table for the Lord. I promise you, it will change things for you. Just share yourself fully with God. Here I am, Lord. Here's me. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. The question for you to consider this morning is, Well do you? If you look at your life right now, do you know him? Can you say that? Or maybe it's time to start six and a half minutes every day and get after it. Get to know him, folks. It will change your life, I promise you. It'll change your life. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you're not the kind of God that would come in, create the world, create us, set us on our trajectory, and walk away. But that wasn't your intention at all All along the way. Your intention was not necessarily to be creator God, but to be relationship God, to be a friend of ours, to love us and have us love you back. God, we thank you that that's what you long for out of us. God, so often for so many of us, we, we forget that. We move on in our lives, like our lives are just going ahead and we forget about you. God, help us know you. Help us really know you. God, perhaps there's somebody in the room this morning who they're kicking it around their head like, I don't know, like, do I know? Do I know him? God, I just pray that you send your spirit powerfully over that person. God, reveal yourself to that person. Make yourself known God, offer salvation to that person. Have them accept it. Have a relationship with them. God, we pray for that this morning. God, as we go on into worship, as we sing a couple more songs, God, I just pray that these uh, couple moments could be moments where we could just spend time with you, to just be with you, to get to know you through song and through instruments and all that, God. We thank you that you long to know us. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen, church?